This is the Coach and Joe Leadership Podcast. Come get your hands dirty while we learn the nitty-gritty of leading others the way Jesus did. This is Discipleship Dissected on Coach and Joe. Welcome to Coach and Joe Leadership Podcast. My name is Chad Norris, and today I'm here with Miriam Beard. Miriam is an Ascent University student here at Bridgeway Church, a year two student, Mm-hmm. And she uh, also is helping out around here with a, a lot of stuff, social media stuff. Tell everybody what you do here at Bridgeway. Well, I wear a couple different hats. I lead out the social media side, so trying to take pictures and capture life around here. I also help um, recruit people, and then I just do all the little other jobs that need to be done. Perfect. So you're 27 years old, moved yep. here about a year ago, mm-hmm. and you're from Georgia. I'm from Tennessee, actually. I Tennessee. came moved. You came from here from Georgia. Florida. Leadership. You're passionate about leadership. I am. Matter of fact, when you sent me an email a couple of years ago, I could tell with the quality of the email. I, I could see all in your email. You're passionate about leadership. Mm-hmm. Tell me, where did you come from, and what were you doing there? In Georgia, I was working for an institute, a leadership institute. There you so, go. The, freshmen in college would come and spend a year and we would disciple them and disciple them in servant leadership. And so I'd spent probably a total of seven years working in different capacities with this organization. Seven years. What's the name of the organization? It's called Impact 360. And God did a lot of neat things with you. Yes. Are they connected to Chick-fil-A? They are. How are they in partnership with Chick-fil-A? Um, so Chick-fil-A has a branch of ministries and they're one of the sister organizations. So it was started by the daughter of True Kathy. Trudy. Trudy. I know her. Trudy Kathy White. Mm-hmm. I've known Trudy for a long, long time. She's phenomenal. We used to write curriculum for Trudy and uh, one of her camp organization way back in the day. Everything mm-hmm. seems to come full circle. Yeah. You know, I taught some of that curriculum. I, I now remember Crazy. you talking about that. Yes. And that was a, that was a long time ago. Leadership's passionate mm-hmm. uh, endeavor for you. Obviously, it is for me. Mm-hmm. We, we care here at Bridgeway. Church and at Ascent University, we believe if you make disciples that make disciples, you can really help a lot of people. Discipleship's leadership. Yes. Jesus says in Matthew 28, 19, go and make mathetis, learners in Greek. So you look at Jesus, he's the greatest leader who ever lived. Mm -hmm. There's only one way to know, Miriam, I think, if you're a leader, and that is this, turn around. If no one's following you, you're not a leader. Right. But that doesn't mean that people who aren't leaders aren't worthy or valuable or known by God. It's not that. It's just if you're called to be a leader of people, Mm -hmm. which everyone is to some degree, there's principles that help a leader go from nothing to something. Mm-hmm. I've never met a great leader who was born a great leader. Yes. You learn leadership. You've been in a couple of phases of leadership in your life, and you had a great seven-year run with an organization that really helped you. Mm-hmm. And you grew. Uh, the place that you're in now, it's not a better place. It's just an appropriate place for where the Father has you in your own maturation. Yes. So you're learning things here about leadership you probably weren't ready for in that season of your life. There's nothing better about here than there, but it's obvious that you've been some wrestling some things out with God that you are now uncovering in your life here mm-hmm. that you didn't uncover previously. Mm-hmm. You were heavy on intellectual capital mm-hmm. in your previous season, right? Yes. Competency. Yes. Tell me what you were groomed at where you were. What does that mean? What does what does intellectual capital and competency mean? So you got strong in those two things. What the heck is that? So I was a student of the right thing, learning the right thing, learning the right method, 
learning how to deal conflict well, learning how to engage those who were following me, I became a student of methods, um, which is good. There's there's a lot of benefit in that. But I would study spiritual methods. I would study relational methods. I would study whatever methods. Heavy on intellectual capital. Heavy on intellectual capital. And it was all th- it was theory. It was I could draw. I don't know how many things I even know now. I can draw up on a whiteboard. Like if this problem happens, do X, Y, and Z. It was it was almost like a mathematical system. So it was very intellect heavy because I was learning the theory of leadership. And nothing wrong with that. Nope. I went to University of Georgia. I graduated from Beeson Divinity School. Mm-hmm. I'm at Regent University now getting my doctorate. Yes. Uh, there's nothing wrong with theory. Nope. Intellectual capital is great. So we're not trying to set this conversation as though something is wrong with intellectual capital. No. But when you got here, God started unraveling some things in your heart. Yes. And you started doing some digging around in your own heart, and the Father started going after you, and you realize, uh, formulas don't really help me where I'm at right now. No. Talk about that journey here. I think I remember the I remember the day we were in the story class, so the class that Edison that walks through the Bible, and we were talking about the Tower of Babel. So this is very early on in the year, and there's a part about in the story of the Tower of Babel that says, "And God knew that nothing would be impossible for Him, so He stripped them down, and He sent them out." And I had this moment of like, "This is what's happening to me," because I had worked so hard to build up this tower in my life, and He just began. But nothing would have been impossible. I could have kept going. I could have kept doing the things I was doing. But I actually would have missed God in those things. And so what he's done is kind of re... He's kind of turned me back around like this. And he's connecting me with my heart and with him and him in my heart. I didn't know that I was... I didn't know I wasn't disconnected from my heart. Have you ever been to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting? I have. Have you? Mm -hmm. What was it like for you? When did you go? I went a couple months ago. How'd it go? It went really well. I was... Super surprised. It wasn't like in the movies. Um, what people, was it like? People weren't sad about it. They were. They just stood up and they said it and they talked about real things and they welcomed each other's stories uh-huh. and they gave freely in their stories. They were just, they were present. They, they People were so in the moment. You That's know what, what I, I notice about the AA culture? Hmm. People are more connected to their hearts than most people I know. Yeah. What, why is that so important? <coughs> It's where you meet God. I think about the garden all the time, about that was what they like walked in the cool of the day with the Lord. They weren't just in their minds. They weren't just doing things. There was a connection point. And if we're really trying to get back to Eden, then we have to live from that place of connection in the heart. You know what I find? A lot of people that are disconnected from their own hearts, they're really good workers. Mm-hmm. You're a different person in year two of Ascent University than you were last year. Yes. You're, you, you have a high motor. Mm-hmm. On the Enneagram, you're a four-wing three. Mm-hmm. High motor. Mm-hmm. High motors are great. I have never seen someone with a high motor. I've never seen them get through their entire lives without the motor breaking down. Yeah. So what God will do, specifically for a leader he's trying to groom to lead with a high capacity level, which you have, he will strip down. Yeah. It, But it's not, it's not for the purpose that most people think. No. It's more for the purpose of intimacy than for productivity. Yeah. And so you... You you have been taken on a journey by God into your own heart and into His heart, which is messy, and efficiency is not the goal. Mm-mm. How has that been for you? Not great. Well, it hasn't felt great. Um, efficiency. I like keep 
it just feels clumsy. And that offends something really deep in me because I've worked my whole life not to be clumsy. Yep. But that clumsiness is real. Like I did a lot of pottery in college and you, the process of actually making something is super clumsy. It isn't, you don't think it should be, but the end product is smooth. But when you're actually building it, it's just messy. And that's kind of how this has felt. And I just expected it to be A, B, C, and it's not. Do you know uh, the story of Steve Jobs? I'm learning the story. I'm rereading his book right now with Blake Berg. I read it a couple of years ago on vacation. So right here is a telephone that you want to talk about some of the most brilliant people that ever mm-hmm. lived. Steve Jobs is a game changer. Mm-hmm. Um, Apple One, Apple Two. But when you read his story, you look at the story of Apple, there were so many twists and turns. He believed in something in the beginning, and then none of it went the way he thought it would go. Yeah. But at the end of his life, he turned around and looked back and was like, goodness gracious. Uh, he may have been broken in his own personal life, but I'm talking about what he gave his life to, the product he was building. It it turned out smooth. It sure didn't go smooth. I, I love reading biographies of successful people. That's what I spent. I, I, that's just like my... My hobby. I love to read stories of people that did enormous things in their lives. They all have one thing in common. It never went the way they thought. Yeah. Speaking of Chick-fil-A, you want to know how Chick-fil-A started? So True Kathy's brother died, yeah. I believe, in a plane crash, right? Mm-hmm. And he was going to open up a hamburger store. Yep. And just had an idea for a chicken store and didn't see that coming. And then a bank wouldn't give him a loan because who's going to give you a loan? To, no one's going to eat a chicken sandwich. Mm-mm. And then, of course, you know how it goes. Here we are now, later in it's like if we could just put the country in the hands of Chick-fil-A, uh, probably straighten out the whole country. It's the most efficient <laughs> business you've ever yes. seen. That's not my point. It didn't go the way they thought. Why are people so uncomfortable with not being in control of when the father starts doing some hard work? Why, why, why can't we just surrender to it and let it be messy? Why, why do we hate mess? Gosh. Why do you hate it? Why did you hate it? Yeah. Because I'm not in control. And that mess is really vulnerable. We were talking a lot about vulnerability today and ascent. And that to be vulnerable is you could be in danger. You could get hurt. There's all these coulds. And that I've spent my whole life trying to create systems to stay away from the what if scenario so that I can just know. So that, that mess is really vulnerable, but I don't know. It's painful and it's unknown. And it's just like creates all this anxiety because I actually want to be controlled because I, I mean, the reason I don't like mess is because I'm still the Lord of my own life and I want to be comfortable. And that's just not where God is. You know, it's funny when I first got married, I've known Wendy 25 years, been married 23. I remember the first week we were together in our apartment in Birmingham when I was in seminary. And we were like, this is so weird. Like, we live together. So now you like you do everything together. You see everything about each other. Because when you're dating, I'll just be honest, you put on your best look, your best foot forward. And then all of a sudden it's like, I'm living in the house with a person. You can't hide is what I'm trying to mm-hmm, say, mm-hmm. especially in a two-bedroom apartment. Uh, we tend to hide. Mm-hmm. People tend to hide. Great leaders are not just great workers. Mm-hmm. They allow the people they're leading into their own brokenness, not to sit and wallow in it. No. Because if you're if you're not, there's productivity still matters. Yes. 
if I, if as a leader I'm not producing, then something's wrong. I think it's normal for me to outwork anyone I'm leading. I have to. That there's no way I can expect people to follow me if I'm not willing to put in the work. I, I'm not trying to do some podcast on vulnerability where work doesn't matter. Yes, I'm getting a doctorate. I work hard. Love to read. I hate slothfulness. It's, it's not that. I'm just saying. In leadership, we have to invite people into the own broken parts of our journey. Now, at Ascent, here's how this works. What's different about Ascent than most places is that you as a student here uh, get to peek into the brokenness of the leadership here. We don't hide what we're processing in our own walks mm-hmm. with God. We don't hide our own mess. Mm-hmm. My wife and I invite students into our homes in these Shema groups. You want to work hard. You want to get things done. You want to be have a high motor, but you also have to not just allow, but invite the Miriams into your own brokenness. How have you seen that, specifically in the life of someone leading you, Jessica Longshore? Jessica has probably the highest motor of anyone I lead here. Really. she Her husband told me six years ago when I hired her, she, he said she could run a Fortune 500 company. Mm-hmm. She has a high motor. Mm-hmm. But that's not just what she gives away to you. She, she You have seen the broken parts of her, in her discipling relationship with you, how has her own mess and her inviting you into that helped you get to a higher place on the mountain? When I look over the past year, I can remember I spent a lot of time just standing in Jess's kitchen while she cooked dinner. I feel like that's a lot of where our discipleship happened. And it wasn't just a one-moment here's the big takeaway. Here's the big transformation. It was over this long period of time of her sharing me, hey, I'm struggling with this. Hey, uh, I'm processing this with a father. Hey, I'm this. Hey, I actually disagree with myself back here because here's what the father showed me now. And so there was just this continual building and building and building and being allowed to watch what the father has been building in Jess has been remarkable because I've read books and that's just this one and done conversation. And I've gone to conferences, and that's a one-and-done conversation of here's the problem, here's the result. But it's actually the journey of getting to watch the father love on Jess and build Jess and grow her up, and her communicating that to me. That has, man, it just it it emboldened me to allow the father to do the same thing with me, to shema me through things and to realize that it's not an all-or-nothing thinking. She's at a higher level of intellectual capital that you are. She's had more experience mm-hmm. than you have. Um, she's had she she has she's been groomed by the father longer than you have. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't hide behind that at some whiteboard. No, no right at all. No. Uh, as the team around here that leads you and leads others around you, the, the what makes us us, I think, is intellectual capital can only take you so far. Yeah. There's there's got to be around the family table, around the real us. And what I'm a big proponent of, why not just be the real you at the whiteboard, in the formulas, at work, in your brokenness. Why don't you speak a blessing over leaders listening to us that they would have the courage to not just be strong in intellectual capital, but Mm -hmm. be strong in vulnerability. Why don't you pray for them? Father, I thank you that leadership is your idea and that you have gifted the leaders to do what you want. And I just bless them in the name of Jesus to run hard after good things and learning to truly be a disciple and a good learner, but also to be submitted to where 
you are at. May they always answer the question, where are you with exactly where they are? In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. If uh, Coach and Joe in this podcast and our show on YouTube is a ministry that blesses you, ask the Holy Spirit how you can give so that we can continue to move forward and help as many people possible as we can, specifically leaders walk in friendship with God. You can go to uh, bridgewaychurch.org, find the link there and give. Have a wonderful holiday season and uh, keep plugging into these podcasts. We hope that it helps you grow not only as a friend of God, but also grow as a leader. God bless. Thanks for joining us on the Coach and Joe Leadership Podcast. Don't miss the Coach and Joe talk show on YouTube and coachandjoe.com for epic merch, blogs, and ways to help keep us up and running. We'll see you next time on the Coach and Joe Leadership Podcast.